All right. Well, take your Bibles and let's turn to, and before you turn to the Acts 25, I know you looked up on the screen and thought you were ahead of me. I want to turn something, address something about Paul. Y'all know what's going to happen next to Paul if you've read ahead or if you've been with us for a while. What's going to happen to Paul? He's arrested. He's in trouble with the law. But let me ask you this question. Is the law right in actually arresting Paul for the accusations brought against him? Should he have been arrested? The answer is yes. If he truly blasphemed, he should have been arrested by the Jews. If he's spoken against Caesar according to the law, he should actually be arrested by Caesar, right? Or by the Roman government. So if you have, if you'd like the adult version notes, too, I didn't offer those. Anybody need a bulletin for the adult, adult notes? I thought the drawing would be better than the, draw the pictures. But was it right for Paul to be arrested? And if the allegations against him were true, the, everything they alleged against him, if it was true, should he have been arrested? The answer is yes. What would Paul say? Paul, would Paul say, I should have been arrested if I broke the law? Yes. Matter of fact, he does say that. And today, with all of our society, y'all know that the devil seeing to do everything in our lives that he can do to divide us. Is that true? Every time there's a shooting, a police shooting. And listen, we have police in the room. We have active duty police officers in this room. So I know what I'm, when I speak, I, I, I don't tiptoe around the issue. And, and I know we have people who have a strong opinion about elections and people who have strong opinions about everything. But facts matter. Would you agree? And when we come to the place of a George Floyd situation, a shooting, when we come to all the different things, the, the 15 or 16-year-old that was shot this past week, and you can't keep up with the news, there's so much happening because, y'all, there's millions of people living in America. And the things that usually gets highlighted are the things that divide us. There's terrible things happening to children. There's abortions happening every day. It should make us angry. The most thing we're excited about in South Carolina is open carry. That's all I see on Facebook. People are so excited about potential of having a gun open carry. Now, I'm all about self-defense and protecting myself. But y'all, when I was in Houston, Texas, standing at Chick-fil-A, been a while back, and the guy in front of me has a 357 on his side, it made me a little bit nervous. I'm like, what if that joker's crazy? Because I grew up with crazy. I know crazy. And the military is always teaching you whether you say, and everybody says you can't actually, you can't profile people. Y'all, have y'all heard that in the news? Police officers can't profile. Military can't profile. I got news for you. That's all propaganda. You have to profile. I'm hearing some of the universities, they can't say white or black anymore. You can't say it's a, and if you hear a police scanner, it says, a, what's, what's a, a, a BW? Does anybody know? Black woman. What, what's a, what, what's a, a whiskey mic? A white male. If you don't, if you can't identify, if there's a man in the parking lot. How crazy has our society gotten that we can't even say the word white, black, we can't identify a person by the, by the color, all, color of their skin because we all do it. What kind of car, what's your favorite color car? Everybody say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Blue. We don't agree, but we identify what we like. We identify, we just, by nature, we, God's given us five senses to identify things in the creation. Animals have instincts, right? We have senses. We actually identify tastes good, smells bad. How do you know food's bad? Depends on where you buy it and what, you, what it looks like, smells like, right? I want you to see something before we see Acts 25. Paul's in jail right now. He's been in jail for the last couple of years. He's had it made pretty good because he's gotten in somewhat cahoots with the government. He's actually, the, the Felix has given him a break because Felix would come and listen to Paul preach. He would come to his, he'd actually have a, a sermon in the prison. And Paul and Silas, you know, he's used to preaching and singing in prison. So this is nothing new for him. But the government changed. And has our government changed? How's that working out for you? We got gripes before, we got gripes after, don't we? The government changes. Who's in charge of the government? Sometimes you feel like no one's in charge. But I want to tell you today, no matter if it's a police shooting, uh, no matter if it's a government change, I want you to rest assured on something here today. God's in charge. And sometimes we can doubt that if you watch CNN or Fox News or any of the other crazy network propaganda channels. And it is propaganda, by the way. Y'all, when I was in the military, 19 years old, creating the news during the first Gulf War, watching television, Tom Brokoff, whatever his name was back in the day, he's speaking exactly opposite of what's actually happening. And I'm reporting to the Pentagon, to the White House. I'm making direct reports in, because war broke out, right, in the Gulf. And the opposite's happening. And he's reporting the opposite's happening. In our country. Completely 180 of what actually is happening that I'm reporting. I'm physically recording it and monitoring and typing it, sending it, and on the news broadcast, it's completely the opposite, saying what's happening in the in the region. 
So I don't put much trust in anything that comes across your television or your computer. I would encourage you. You say, well, I'll do my, I'll do my research. What do you do? First thing you do is Google it. And whatever, y'all know you can buy your space on Google. You can get the first news in. Whoever pays the most money gets the best spot. That's just how it works. Well, today, all the police shootings, whatever it might be, all the propaganda that's been pushed before you to divide us, everything, no matter if it's breaking and entering, whatever it might be, what do you think about that? How much breaking and entering should we, B&E, right? How much should we allow in our neighborhoods? Should anybody, of, just because of your background or your color or your ethnicity, should you be allowed to break in someone's house? Y'all, I've said on this, uh, public safety had this thing called, uh, it was uh, um, ASCATS, what it was called. I was on the team for a long time. They would call us in, in the city of Aiken, and we'd meet with the Highway Patrol, all the different agencies, drug enforcement agencies, and we would sit in a room, and they would, not, they would take the name off the subject. They would take, if it's a male or female, off. They would take the ethnicity off the, everything, just a, just a person. And they asked me as a pastor to come in and be a part because we actually helped us and the uh, United Way was involved. There's a lot of different people involved trying to help people who maybe didn't have disadvantages in life that helped them up and helped them how to dress for an appointment, how to get ready for, to speak to someone, how to interview and how to get job skills, all those things we were trying to do. We really were trying. And then the police come on the other side and said, if you have one bullet, if you have one ounce of drugs, if you come down, and so it was very hardcore. They were confronted. These men were, and women were confronted with, hey, we're trying to help you as a community. We want to be a good citizen. And the police said, you get caught again, you're going to prison for a long time. And federal prisons, 85%, you got to be time served. So I'm sitting in the room, and, and you had to pick who were the, out of all these different people, uh, you get a pen and paper, and you don't know if it's a man or woman, boy or girl, you don't know anything about it, you just know this is the rap sheet. And you're watching overhead like you're looking back through those screens, and you're like, okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm grading. You had to grade. And basically, everybody put their grades in who was the worst of the worst felons. And then out of that average came, we picked 10 or 12 or whatever the number the, they chose to pick. And we would basically address those 12 people in a session, in a very public session downtown in the city hall. And they would be warned by the police and they would be offered help by us as citizens that had connections in society, as leaders. So I'm sitting there, I'm grading mine. I'm invited, first time I've ever been in there. I'm like, well, this is crazy. How does it? So I'm grading, and I was supposed to pick 10, I think it was. And I was finishing, put my pen down. And one of the patrol officers comes up and he said, uh, Pastor, are you still uh, participating in the program? And I said, yeah, I'm done. And they're like, well, that was the first candidate. Y'all, let me tell you something. People that are get arrested, wrap sheet after sheet after sheet. I was done. I thought it was all different crimes. I just picked the worst crime. I was done with that one, whatever the code was beside it. I was done. And they were only on the first person. And there was like 30 to go. If you knew what's going on behind the scenes, you would actually have a better appreciation for our law enforcement. Even if you don't appreciate law enforcement, you hate police today. Like everybody wants to defund police. How stupid can we possibly be in a society? Let me show you what Paul said, who's been falsely arrested multiple times. He's been arrested for what he preaches. He's been arrested for what he says and does. But watch what he says about the government. Go to Romans 13. I don't have this in your notes. This was something God put on my heart after the notes. But Romans 13, really quick, let me just read this. We're going to read a lot of scripture and get in and get out today. But you need to have this not as a tool against society, but you need to know this. Why do we have a military? Why do we have a police force? Why do we have a government? I'll show you why. The Bible tells us why. Romans 13, when you're there, say amen. amen. Let's start together in verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Where did the United States government come from? Watch this. <laughs> Boy, this is going to be hard for this pastor to say. Joe Biden was appointed by God. <laughs> and all the Republicans and Democrats said, you have to say amen. You can't have it your way. Yes, God lets us have free will to vote for the person that we vote for. Our governor, hey, listen, if you don't like Henry McMaster, vote against him. But guess who put Henry McMaster on the seat of the governor of South Carolina? I'm talking like he talks. Y'all know he talks like, he reminds me of George Washington. <laughs> who put him there? You say the voters. No, they didn't. Who put him there, church? No, who, say it like you mean it. Who put him there? 
every government official that you like, love, indifferent, guess who put them there? God. Now, you still need to do your part. You need, when you turn 18, you should, you should register at 17, by the way. Vote at 18 and do your part in a free society that God's given us. But you need to remember that it is God who puts men and women in powers of, uh, places of authority. He said, well, I don't agree with that. Well, then you can't read text of the Scripture then and understand it. It is God who puts authorities in place. I don't understand God, and I don't understand what he does sometimes, but here we are. Look at verse 2. You say, well, what about the police? Let's keep reading. So, who appoints the government church? So, is Paul rightly arrested right now because he's been alleged that he broke laws? Yes. So, look, if you, if you resist the government, verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authority, that's the police. You know what? None of these shootings would happen if no one resisted authority. If these fools had to take off running from police or shoot at police, if people hadn't done something to break the law that was actually given by God, put in place, they wouldn't be dead today, not from a gunshot wound from a police. What do the police always say? Show me your hands. Why do they want to see your hands? Because they want to go home tonight, right? You say, well, I don't like that. Well, get over yourself. Watch this. Keep reading. Verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Ordinance is a law. We have city ordinances. Guess what? When you resist it, you're resisting God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Here you go. If you're afraid of the police, do you want to be unafraid of them? Do what is good, and you will have praise for the same. Let me say, I back the police officers today. Are there bad police officers? Yes, just like there's bad doctors, there's bad everything. Go down the list and you can name it. There's a bad actor in every profession that's under the planet. But I stand as your pastor today to tell you I support law enforcement 100%. If you don't want to go to jail, if you don't, listen, if you don't do the time, don't do the crime, right? And if you're falsely accused, listen, we put every money, every effort into getting that person unaccused if we can. I believe in that as well. Let's keep going. If this gets thick, this gets right into our face. Romans 13 is, should be tattooed right under the USA uh, today, uh, under the flag, just hanging off the flag. For rulers are not a terror to good works, verse 3, but to evil. Do, do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Then do what is good, and you will have praise for the same. For he is, that's the governing authority. Here's the police officer, listen to this. And the magistrate, for he is God's minister for you for good. You ever think of when you see Aiken Public Safety or Aiken uh, a deputy sheriff in town? Do y'all think that, wow, he's been appointed by God to actually ever see him take care of me? Or do you go, thumbs down? I had a police officer blow past me yesterday in the 35 mile zone, about 65 miles an hour, and I seen him turn into a quick store, quick shop. Should I address him? Well, I wanted to. You knucklehead, you want us to do right, you do right, right? Don't run into get in front of the line to get the coffee first or the quick snack, whatever it is. He's a minister of God, a minister, God's minister for you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. We don't carry swords today, we carry weapons today, right? But the sword was the one, the tool that killed or defended. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Let's do a common sense. If we don't practice evil, what should we expect from the police and other authorities? Good. Now, you say, well, what about the government when they make laws and rules? Well, the Paul addresses that as well. When there's a law that breaks God's law, what do we do? We obey God rather than man. So what do you have to do? You have to keep a tight knit on, do you, is this a God thing or is this a thing I just don't like? Do you understand? You have to be informed. You have to be knowledgeable. Let's keep going. Therefore, you must be subject not only, verse 5, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. But because of this, you also pay taxes. Oh, it's April. You know I'd hit this right in the middle of April. Anybody love paying taxes? Has anybody ever praised God for paying taxes? Well, taxes just like pollen. No taxes, no roads. No taxes, no bridges. No, no taxes, no traffic lights. Yeah, have you ever been on Whiskey Road when the lights go out? People drive like fools. On, I mean, it's like Frogger. Who's first? Me first. So taxes is like pollen. It comes and, and we're allergic to most of it, right? But without it, we don't have the good that comes from it. You can go in the middle of Kenya in the Rift Valley, no taxes in the Rift Valley. But guess what? There's no roads. There's no food. 
Uh, there's no common help for anyone. People just sit around in the dirt all day hoping that God sends rain. So taxes are good. Say that, what, <laughs> you ever think you'd say this in church? Say it with me. Taxes are good. Ready? Try it. Taxes are good. Ugh, I know it. It leaves a dry taste in my mouth, right? This is what it says. Verse 6, for because of this you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all that is due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs are due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor, how? As yourself. Love does, not harm to a love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Now let's quickly make our way, beat a path back to Acts 25, because Paul's under arrest, and he's rightly under arrest because he's been condemned of something, allegedly done something. Even though we know, we got the backstory, we have the book, we know it's a false arrest. We know that actually there's no reason for him to be there other than he's preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's get together in 25 and read. I'm going to skip some things, but I want you to see some primary things all the way through 25, you can, uh, 27. You can read for yourself. Now, when Festus, you remember Festus is the new guy, right? He's the new governor. Felix, he's been replaced. Felix has been recalled by Rome. They've had to go back to Rome because he's, he's actually under arrest himself for some of those bad doings he's done as a governor. Now, Festus replaced Felix, and now Festus is the governor of the region. All right, so Paul's been in prison for two years. He's had favor with Felix. Felix has come to his church services in prison. Felix has let him see his friends and family, people that's brought him gifts. Paul's had pretty much a, 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 like a home prison situation where he was actually free to do some things and preach. But now Festus, verse 1, 25, had come to the province after three days. He went to Caesarea from Jerusalem. And then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him. What did they ask for? This is key. I've never wrote, read this in my Bible until I study this. I, this is amazing. These are religious men who knew what the law of Moses said. What is the ninth commandment? Does anybody know? Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor or your neighbor. What does a, what does a false witness do? False witness is a liar. Someone is going to lie against you. Y'all ever had anybody speak against you, lie against you, say something about you wasn't true? ruin your reputation or try to ruin your integrity, your reputation. That's what a false witness does. They're, they're a sorry bunch of people, false witnesses are. And God forbade, he, he forbade the Israelites from bearing false witness. Did the high priest know that Paul, that, that Paul was actually innocent? Did they really know? Yes, they just didn't like him because he's taking their authority. He's preaching about this man named Jesus. He's preaching about the resurrection that Jesus Christ has come back to life. And that's what he's preaching. But they know Paul also used to be one of them. They also know what the Torah says. The law of God says you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. But do they care? This is a direct implication of these men that they did not care what God said. They did not care what Christ was all about. They didn't care about anything but their own position and their own authority. Watch what they say. I was shocked. I even underlined this and showed this to Wendy this week. I was like, look, look what these crazy people ask for. And this sounds like our government today. Does it not? Our new government change? People are asking about crazy, crazy things. Here's what they petitioned the government for. Asking a favor against Paul that he would summon Paul to Jerusalem while they lay in the ambush along the road to kill him. They were so brass and so bold to say, hey, listen, we'd like a favor from you, Festus. It would please the people if you would just bring him down to Jerusalem. And on the way, we're going to set an ambush and we're going to kill him. Because we want justice. We want it our way. And how many times have these people, these same unbelieving Jews, how many times have they started mob justice in the streets? Many times, if you've been with us, if you read through the book of Acts, every time they get upset, they just start a mob. And they start, they start flailing and, and, and trying to kill. They've already tried to kill Paul. Paul's been rescued by the Roman government more than once. But they want, they, they're being... We get a behind-the-scenes planning session. They're in their rooms planning, hey, if we can get the, the new governor, he, he wants to please the Jews because he's new. And he knows, listen, he knows he needs to do us favor. So let's, let's send our highest authority. Let's make a planning team. And whenever, remember those men who said, I'll never eat a couple years before? 
They took a vow, they shaved their heads, they said, we won't eat until we kill Paul. I often wonder about those old boys, there's 40 of them, right? <laughs> did they die or did they break their vow, right? You have to eat within two years, just for the record. But now here's a whole nother group saying, listen, just bring him down, let's make a deal. He wants to please us, our people, so he'll make a deal with us. Bring Paul down, on the way down, we're just gonna kill the fella. Does that sound like uh, justice? Does that sound like men of God who are following the way of God? It sounds like selfish, crazy men who want to indulge themselves. They want it their way. They, they were the ones who actually formed McDonald's or Burger King, right? Having it their way. So verse 5, therefore he said, let those who have authority among you go down with me to accuse this man to see if there is any fault in him. That's what the law is supposed to do. Let's have a court date. And when he had remained among them more than 10 days, that's two weeks, y'all, that's two, that's, that's two business weeks, right? He went down to Caesarea, and in the next day, sitting on, on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought. Just for the record, what was Festus planning to do? It's going to get good here in just a minute. What's he, what's he planning to do? He's planning to give in to them. He's playing the game. He said, I'm officially doing my duties. I'm going to go listen to what the accusations are. And then how do we know what he's going to do? Because the Bible tells us. He tries to talk Paul into it. Verse 7, when he had come, to, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about, laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. There's no evidence. And while he answered for himself, neither against the law or of the Jews, or nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended in anything at all, Paul says. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews, here's what's the word in your Bible. Yo, how many good old boy favors are there done, especially in the South, but all around? Hey, I know, it's not, I know it's not legal, and I know it's not right. I know I'm not supposed to see that information. I know I'm not supposed to get a preview before everybody else in the public. But just do me what? Do me a favor. So Festus, the Jews, the high priests, the men of God, it's supposed to be the men of God that were leading the, if you will, the worship of the time, they conspired to be false witnesses against the Torah, against God's word. They conspired to murder this man against God's word, where he says, thou shalt not murder. And now Festus is the new leader. In his mind, in his heart, he's already said, I'm going to do these guys a favor, but I'm going to make it look like I didn't know nothing about it. I'm going to go down and officially sit on the judgment seat. I'm going to listen to both sides. I'm going to listen to the evidence. You say, well, Pastor, how do you know? Are we reading into the Bible? Let's keep reading. The Bible tells you so. When you don't understand what the Word says, keep reading the Word, right? Read before and after. Paul says, I've defended, I'm innocent. But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, hey, are you willing to go down to Jerusalem? And where'd they want him to go? Go back to verse 3 real quick. Asking a favor of him, again, that he would summon him to Jerusalem, and while they lay in ambush along the road to kill him. So Festus is like, hey, are you willing to go to Jerusalem and prove your case before them? See, he looks clean. If you looked at it from the tabloid standpoint, or from, from the news, breaking, late breaking news, Apostle Paul dies in the hands of, of robbers or villains. Governor Festus was just trying to send him to town to actually get a fair trial because he's an innocent man killed by the mob. Y'all, does that sound like today's news? People don't get their way, what do they do? They're in the streets creating mobs, shooting people, breaking things, stealing things. Every single person, those people that, that stormed the Capitol, every single person, guess what? If you break the law, guess what you need to, where you need to be? In jail. You say, Pastor, have you ever broken the law? Yes. Don't look at me so sanctimoniously. Anybody ever speed? You've broken the law. And the Bible says you break one, you do one sin against the law. How many do you do against the law? All. So we're not looking for perfection, but this is just, this is just bad government right here. This is actually where these men, they want favors, and they have a full plan to kill an innocent man. Do you think Paul was in doubt that he was going to die this day? Yes, because he gave a defense for himself. And there's no other defense for Paul. There's nobody there defending Paul. He's by himself. Paul's in doubt that he's going to not make it through this trial because when he goes down, he knows what's going to happen because remember his nephew warned him before whenever, listen, there's some men laying wait for you. They're going to kill you on the way. He had to know the same men, same group of leaders had the same plan. So what does Paul do? Paul does the last thing he can as a Roman citizen and watch what he does in verse 10. So Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, 
as for you know very well, that means he's telling everybody, you know I've done nothing wrong. So the only thing that he had left to do, for, I am an, uh, for if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. But if there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me, no one can deliver me to them. And then he stood up boldly as a Roman citizen and said, I appeal to Caesar. He wasn't ordering dressing there, by the way, or salad. Then Festus, when he had conferred with his council, he talked to the men who were listening, answered, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you shall go. Well, guess what? Festus got off again because that's the rule. Every Roman citizen could appeal to Caesar. His, if you were being falsely accused, every citizen could appeal. Let me hear it from the highest court. We would call it our Supreme Court today. Aren't, are people suing like that today? You don't get your way, sue, sue, sue. Keep taking it through the court system till you get some monetary agreement or you get it your way. Well, Paul was here as a Roman citizen and said, I have no other avenue. The Jews are going to kill me. The Romans are going to let them kill me. I appeal to Caesar. So to save face, Festus can say to the Jewish leaders, hey, I was bringing him down to Jerusalem. I already asked him. But since he's a Roman citizen, he appealed to Caesar. I can't stop that because that's just how it works. I, I, I can't get involved because Caesar, obviously, he, we worship him. He's, he's our leader. Do you see that? Government officials are always saving face. By the way, government is not the government. The government is people. They're people. It's not, it's not an entity of itself that actually just this machine that does some things. Because you hear people talk, well, the government, I'm so sick of the government. <laughs> what should you do for the government? First Timothy, Paul tells us clearly, you pray for those that are in authority. He said, well, Pastor, I can't pray for these people. Well, how else is God going to work? Does he use your prayers to make his will be done here on earth? Yes, we see where he's at work and we join him. We, we, we join in. He tells us, you don't have why, church. Come on, wake up. You don't have why? Because you don't ask. Or if you do ask, you ask like James says, don't do. You ask amiss. Well, Lord, here you go. Here's, here's a hand grenade prayer. I hope it goes off, right? In the right place. Pray specifically. Lord, what is it you want me to pray about? Who is it you want me to pray about? What is it you want me to pray about? What is it you want me to do as a free American citizen? Watch, you're going to see some things that Paul did. Go to your notes. Let me go through this really quick for you. We have all had moments of doubt. Is that true? Anyone ever had doubt? Whether it's that relationship, whether it's that job promotion, whether it's whatever it might be. When, the older you get, when, let me correct that. The more mature you become as a believer, you should actually, your doubt level should shrink. The longer you walk with Jesus, the less doubt you should have. And I say the older you get, I used to thought when you got gray hair when I was a kid that you just became like right next to, you look so old, you just died and went straight to heaven because you're just like God here on earth. I have gray hair now, and listen, I know that's not true. Senior adults can sin worse than teenagers. Amen? Amen. Come on, y'all. When you mature in Christ, you still sin, but what do you do? Lord, I don't want to do that. You, you, your wanter changes. You wanna, I want to do this for the Lord, not this. I don't want to be against God. I don't want to drag the next generation down. And if you're still talking about things that happened in the 50s and 60s and 70s in America, something's wrong with you, right? If you sit around your whole conversation is negative this, negative that, way back then when I was a kid, talk about today what God's doing today. Talk about where God can send your next generation. Listen, do we want new leaders in, in the government? Are you preparing your children to work, to lead in the government? You said, I thought you said God's in charge of that. He is, but he says train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it, and that's in every aspect of life. Most people in this room, if I said, who is your representatives and who is your senator, a lot of you couldn't name them. You don't know. So if you can't name them, you can't pray for them. Is that true? Find out. We know president, vice president, and after that, we don't know who else is in line. Who's the cabinet members? If you don't know, you can't pray for them. You are not praying for them. And not just us, but every church is setting a meeting today. So is the church doing what we're supposed to do? Are we praying for those in authority? Are we praying for those by name? Are you praying for those who are leading you today? Or are you just griping and complaining when you watch the news and sip your coffee and say, I can't believe this happened again. I can't believe this. That's how most people are living today's life. Instead of being at war, we're soldiers of the cross. We must get in there and fight on our knees and pray to a holy God. God, you're in charge of all things. You're sovereign over everything. The universe, the sun comes up like you told it to still. 
Surely you can do some work in this government. Surely you can stop killing 65 plus million babies in America through abortion. Church, we have a responsibility as the church. God, let's see, if you look at your notes, does God care when we're doubting? Will God be faithful every time a situation arises in your life or my life? The answer is absolutely yes. The good news is God does care and God will always be faithful. Always be faithful. Say amen right there. That's a great place. That means, yes, yes, this is true. This is the nature of God, and the nature of God is love. L-O-V-E, love, that's right. First John says it, God is love. When Paul had finally received protection and had established rapport with the government leaders, God changed the leadership. Paul was feeling pretty good about himself, was he not? He had freedom to walk around. He had freedom to see his friends. He had freedom to have extra food brought in from outside. Paul was pretty much on house arrest, could preach what he wanted to preach. He's actually getting to preach the soldiers. He's getting to preach those that are actually attending to him in the county detention center. And lo and behold, God changed the leadership. Did that happen to you at the last election? Were you so excited we rode across? Derek and I drove to Pennsylvania this week for training. And it's still across the landscape, Trump 2020. And we were laughing, hey, they need to take that sign down, right? And that sign, and that one, and that one, and that one. People put their hope in a man that they've never met. And now new people put their hope in a man that they never saw, right? And we still do the same thing. We have hope that the government's going to fix it. Can I give you some news today? Government's never going to fix anything spiritually. If you want it fixed in the White House and you want it fixed in the state house, then you gotta get it fixed in your house. Your house is where it starts. It's your house where you actually dads be the dads and be the spiritual leader of your household. It's your house where moms will stand up if dads don't do it and pick up the bootstraps and carry on, keep on, keep it on. It's, listen, it's your house where kids will learn that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's your house where you take your child to the church house and come alongside and have Sunday school teachers teach the same thing that you're teaching at home. If the church is teaching contrary to the Bible, get out of that church. It's no longer a church who believes that God's in authority. That's what these men, these religious men were doing. They were teaching, listen, thou shalt not bear false witness if you're speaking against me. But we're going to go over here and bear false witness against a man who, a holy man who's done no wrong. We even don't have anything to accuse him by. They even said so in the text. They had nothing to prove what they said. Therefore, it's, and they knew in their hearts it was false. These men who taught Sunday after Sunday or Saturday after Saturday taught, you must not bear false witness. At the same time, they're bearing false witness against Paul. But they also did it against Jesus. I made a note. Herod the Great tried to kill Jesus instead, killed all those boys in the region two years and under. Herod Antipas executed John the Baptist. Herod Agrippa I had James, the brother of Jesus, executed. And here we are, you're going to see him pop on the scene here in just a minute, Herod Agrippa II. There's, a, there's different Herods in the Bible. He pops on the scene, and lo and behold, he just follows his family line. He is no better. Isaiah 55 says that God's ways are so much higher than our ways. We don't understand his ways. If God put you in charge of the world from one day, what would happen? <laughs> exactly, you know. You say, well, we have natural laws. Those are supernatural laws, by the way. There are no laws, natural laws of science unless God put them in play. We serve a supernatural, holy, awesome God. Well, have a look at your notes. Governor Festus, I put Festus, but should be Governor Festus. A new leader wanted to please the people of the opposition, the opposition group, so he entertained the thought of allowing Paul to be murdered. This is true from the word of God, straight from the word of God. Is this happening today? Are innocent people being put to death today? Yes, being accused left and right. We know this. The religious leadership violated their own faith and wanted to make a judgment against Paul with mob rule. They asked for favors from the government so that they might kill Paul. That's all they wanted. You know, when we talk about Jesus and, and he was telling, telling parables in the Bible, turn to Matthew 15. It's not in your notes, but I want you to see this. Matthew 15. What did Jesus say about this? He was telling his own disciples as he taught those men who were against him. Matthew 15, starting in verse 17. When you're there, say amen. I want, to, I want you to see this. 
I love hearing your Bible pages turn. Mark this in your Bible. This shows you what's going to happen to men, what's in the heart of men. Verse 17, so we're going to pick up 15, 17. Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Does everybody understand that? The lunch that you have today is going to be going into your stomach and it's going to be eliminated, right? You're going to process. You'll do it again, again, and again. We understand that concept, what Jesus is saying. But those things which proceed out of the mouth, that come out of the mouth from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. What defiles a man? What's in your heart that comes out your mouth, right? And this is what these men, these were, these were defiled, sinful men who were accusing Paul. How many of y'all grew up when you, your mother or grandmother or somebody said, you can't say the word hate? Anybody ever, don't say hate, it's such a strong word. Anybody ever, raise your hand if you ever heard that. You ever repeat that? Kids, your parents ever say that to you? Never say hate, don't say hate, it's such a strong word. Well, let me take you to Proverbs 6. God says hate in the Bible. Go to Proverbs 6. I used to love these passages of scriptures. God says hate. Isn't that right, Mom? Don't say hate. It's an ugly word. Ugly. Can't say stupid. Stupid's in the Bible too. Did y'all know that? Can't spit. Jesus spit twice. There's two recordings of him spitting. All the things boys love to do, it's in the Bible. It's pro, not against. Read your Bible, boys and girls. You'll know what Jesus says. Proverbs 6. Go there and look at this. Verse 16. These six things the Lord, say the word with me, hates. This is holy hatred, though, not like us hating anchovies or hating a certain uh, cilantro. No one eats cilantro, do you? Such a disgusting herb. Just kidding. I know y'all like it. I don't. It tastes like dish soap to me. These six things the Lord hates, yet seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue. Are these men lying against Paul? Hands that shed innocent blood, are they trying to kill, murder Paul? And they walk like this ceremoniously, by the way. So they're, they're three for three. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift to running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren. Had, had these men violated the all five, all six of these? Did God hate these men? Well, we like to say today, well, no, God hates the sin, but not the sinner. Have you ever said that? Come on, y'all, work with me this morning. Y'all act so sleepy. We had donuts for you and coffee today. Listen, have you ever said God hates the sin, but loves the sinner? Is that a true statement? It is true. But does God hate the sin and also hate the sinner? The Bible says so. You say, well, how can God love and hate? I don't know, I'm not God, but it's holy love, holy hatred. Follow with me if you will. You say, I don't believe that. I don't believe that doctrine. Okay, let's, let's pretend. Put me, in a, put me in a wicked lifestyle. You choose the lifestyle. Pick one that's today, a current lifestyle that's sinning against God, that no matter how you slice in Scripture, you're sinning against God. And I'm walking down the lifestyle. I'm not a Christian, and I'm walking down the lifestyle. I'm driving down the road. I hear a Bible preacher preach. Listen, you must turn from that. You fill in the blank what the sin is. Name it. You have one, right? You have one in mind? Everybody have one in mind? I hear this preacher preach against my sin, whatever my sin is that I love, because that's what we would choose our sin. I cut the radio off because I, I, I don't want to listen to it. My friend invites me to a thing at church because his baby's being dedicated, so they invite me to church. I come to church and get a crazy Baptist preacher like me who says, your, fill in the blank what your sin is, is a sin against God, and you're going to go to hell if you don't repent of that sin and trust in Jesus Christ. Is that a truth from the Word of God, by the way? And I said, I don't want to hear this mess. All these crazy preachers, they think they know better than me. Who are they to judge me? I'm just living my life. I'm not hurting anybody. You just leave me alone. This is the way it is. Don't they understand our culture has changed? This ain't 1950 anymore. Y'all heard it? And then I'm going home that Sunday after church, and I, there's a bad car wreck, and someone runs a stop sign, kills me. Where do I go? Is God demonstrating his holy hatred toward me and sending me to hell? Yes. Is God demonstrating his holy love and sending me to hell? Yes. 
You say, well, how can that be? I don't know. I'm just telling you what the Bible teaches us, what the Bible says, what God says. And all of you that don't want to just listen, you got homosexual brothers and sisters. you got lost brothers and sisters and friends. And you say, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to hurt their heart. Listen, you better speak to their heart because they're headed to hell. He said, I don't like that, Pastor. You don't have to like it. Brothers and sisters, you don't have to like it at all. I don't like it. Because I want to see people redeemed, and I want to see people loving God. I know what I was like before I was saved. Every single person that's living in a sinful lifestyle is going to hell unless they repent and turn their hearts and lives over to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your brothers. That's your sisters. That's your family. That's your friends. That's my coworkers. That's your teacher, your professor who thinks they know everything. Listen, that's the people that we are around every single day. We have a responsibility to demonstrate the love of God for those people. We have, a, we have a responsibility to get on our knees. When was the last time you got on your knees and you begged God for the salvation of that person? When is the last time you come to the altar? Well, Pastor, I don't want to extend the service because you preach too long. And if I come down here, I miss my appointment at whatever restaurant we go to. We're meeting our Methodist friends and they get out around 1130. Here's the deal. Get over yourself. And get on your knees before holding God. Say, God, I must, my friend, my brother, my cousin, uncle, whomever it might be, they must come to Christ, and I must be responsible for praying for them, if not leading them to Christ. Let me blow through. Listen, God sent a higher-ranking king, a grip of the town, to hear Paul's case. Some people say this is by accident or coincidence. Do y'all believe that to be true? Sovereign hand of God moving King Agrippa, not governor, and a king ranks, outranks the governor. Paul was on trial for preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, how do you know? Keep reading that verse and you'll see. Festus says, hey, he's on trial for preaching about this Jesus, and he's preaching about the resurrection that he believes that actually, actually happened. Paul was on trial for preaching what he believed. He was actually on trial for preaching what was true. God orchestrated the opportunity for Paul to stand before many and I put very important people, the VIPs. If you look who's there, King Agrippa and all his entourage is there. Festus and all of his entourage is there. All the high priests and their entourage is there. They summon all kind of crazy people to this place. Here's what I put in your notes. God brought all the leaders to an evangelistic church service. They thought they were going to a trial. They thought they were going to hear a crazy man preach about a dead man who rose again. And what God have in mind? that all might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You boys, come on in with your VIP, with your fancy robes. You come in with your pomp and circumstance. You come on in the house because the prison house turned into a church house that day. Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. He told his story. You'll see in verse 2. Let me, just, let me just sneak ahead to next week. Verse 1 says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. That's the wrong thing to tell a preacher, isn't it? We got time. Go ahead and preach. We were at a service. We had a black guy. He was formerly a minister, preacher. Now he's a, a professor at a school, Christian school. And he said, I have this message in the black version and the white version. He said, I see the majority of you. It's going to be the white version today, didn't he, Derek? Hilarious man. Y'all, I'm going to have him here to preach. This man spoke volumes to our society. He's, he's in his 70s, so we got to catch him before he leaves the planet, but God's put wisdom and experience in this man's heart and the word of God in his heart that he might speak to this generation. He has a message for this generation. And his book that he co-wrote with Ken Ham is called One Blood. Isn't that, isn't that One Blood? Because who's your granddaddy? Your granddaddy is Adam. So is mine. Amen? And all this division that's in the news and in our world today, Satan's trying to divide us by color. We're falling right into his trap so many times. It's foolishness. Well, Paul watched where God was at work, and he joined him. Could you imagine? Paul thinks he's going to die, and all of a sudden he walks into a room like this. It's packed full of all the dignitaries from the area. Everybody is who's who, and everybody who wanted to know who who was was listening in, trying to get in, and listed all the guards are at attention. They're standing in security. All the servers are preparing the food. They had to be listening from the kitchen. What is this guy going to do? This must be a murder. It must be like they finally found a serial killer. And they're listening, and Paul says, the only reason I'm on trial today is because I once was lost, but now I'm found. I, I, I put my faith and trust in the resurrected Jesus Christ. And you too can be saved if you would give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Even Agrippa says, get away from me because you almost persuade me, right? Felix, he almost, Paul almost persuaded these men. And who knows later in life if they received Christ. But everybody in that room now can stand before a holy God, and God could say, didn't I send you to the prison that day to hear the message? Wasn't you cooking groceries listening in the prison? You heard it. 
you're without excuse. No one is innocent, by the way. Paul just watched where God was at work, and he joined him. Though Paul did not know his future, God did. Is that true? Paul trusted God's plan each day, for each day. He wrote Romans 8, 26 through 37. If you, that's not in your notes, but write that down in your notes if you're taking notes. Romans 8, 26 through 37. You need to read that when you get home. Paul, Paul takes off his jacket. I'm persuaded. Listen, everything happens for a reason, especially for those who are called of God, those, those who God loves. And then he takes his jacket off, he rolls his sleeves up and says, let me tell you, no death or height, no angels or principalities. He goes down a whole list of groceries. He says, nothing can separate me from the love of God. How could Paul stand before these dignitaries? These people could just say one word and take his life. How could he stand? He knew who put the government in play. The government can't do anything until God says, go ahead and do it. You say, well, pastor, it doesn't feel like it's how, it doesn't matter how, take your feelings completely out of this sermon. Go to the facts. Who ordained government? Before we start this sermon, who ordained government? The ones you like, who ordained them? The ones you don't like? <laughs> Isn't it good to actually blame everything on God? He's big enough to take it. So when you doubt that your Social Security is going to be there, when you doubt that your 401K is going to crash or make it, when you doubt everything that's going on in your life, listen, turn to the one who will wipe away your doubt because he has a plan for your life. It's God who's in charge. He says, I'll never see my children begging bread. You say, well, if I run out of food, where do I go? Look to your left and right. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. This is the household of God. We feed one another. If there's a need, we meet it. He said, well, that hadn't happened to me, but it's because you haven't asked. You don't have because you don't ask. You're not participating in the family of God. You're popping in on Sunday morning, and you're popping out. You don't, you're not connected on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. You're not connected on by phone or email. You know, I don't nobody send me nothing. I can give my email number. Listen, don't give your email address. Don't give your phone number. We will not contact you. But you're missing a whole bunch of stuff that's happening in people's homes and what's happening behind the scenes. God's doing a work at Town Creek Baptist Church. Whether you like it or not, or whether you know it or not, God's at work. And it's good to be a part of it. It's exhausting sometimes, but it's great to be a part of it. So where do you turn when you don't know the way? You turn to the way. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. How do you depend on Jesus in the good times and the bad? It's by faith. You say, Pastor, how do you know all this? I've just experienced a lot of things, but I've also, listen, here's where my assurance comes from. The Apostle Paul fires me up. I'm preaching at a monotone level right now, but I want to yell as loud as I can at all of y'all. I want to scream and holler and jump. I've seen Pentecostals run the pews, and I won't do that because I'm out of balance because I'm out of overweight. But y'all, it makes me want to shout that we serve a living, holy God that saved a sorry sucker like me, right? And like you, by the way. But it's gonna, he's already prepared a place for me in heaven. And he says, if he prepared a place for me, he's coming to get me. That should get you excited today. We serve this holy God. There's no mistakes in his life. There's no missing it with him. We serve an awesome God. Last question. Are you praying about something that is serious and meaningful to you, but you have not heard from God? Like, God, are you going to really give me this breakthrough? Is there something going to happen? Are you going to release me from this medical situation? Are you going to give me that financial blessing? Lord, are you going to do it or not? Because God's prayed something on your heart. Can I encourage you today? Keep praying. Keep reading the scripture. Don't doubt him. He might say no to you. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he says no. A lot of times he says wait. Sometimes he'd like, he tells Paul, my grace is sufficient. You know, I don't like that answer. Again, take your feelings out of this message and follow the facts of a loving God. He loves you. Everything he does in your life is from love. You say, my sickness, from love. My financial problems, from love. This breakup, well, you got involved in some of that, right? It takes two people to get together. Isn't that true? It takes two people to break up. Isn't that true? Come on, y'all. Y'all ain't like, I don't know what the answer is. It takes two people to get married, and two people can mess it up as well, right? One can do it more than the other. Well, he's 80% he's of the fault. Okay, you're still 20. Isn't that true? Human relationships are built on work. It, it's hard work to be together, especially in this culture we're in today. Last thing, when in doubt, trust God's plan. Can we say that together? Let's read it out loud. Let's go. When in doubt, 
Trust God's plan. Come a little bit louder like you mean it, like you're the Apostle Paul standing before a tribunal is going to take your head off, right? They're ready to kill you. Paul's thinking, listen, i got to appeal to Rome. It was part of God's plan. He did the right thing, but it was part of God's plan. Let's read it out loud as you can. Let's stand together, by the way, and let's stand together. Musicians, y'all come and come. Let's say this from your toenails to the top of your skull. Let's say this together like you mean it and believe it, and I want you to internalize it. This is true for all of us. Let's say it together. When in doubt, trust God's plan. Praise God. If you need to pray this morning for somebody, we'll pray with you. If you need to pray by yourself, call out that name before God that you're praying for. And if you don't have somebody, listen, you can pray for me, the guy in front of you. We've always said you want a better preacher, pray for one. Either God will take me away or he'll encourage me and build me up. It's good to see some of your smiling faces. I haven't seen you in a while. Some of y'all haven't seen you in a while. Welcome back to church. Good to see you. I'm glad you're safe and smiling. I hope to talk to you before uh, we leave today, but right now it's time to do business with God. I know your Methodist friends are waiting, but we'll actually pray for them as well, all right? If you need to do business, do business, y'all. This is today. God's given you a word. Don't doubt. Trust God's plan. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you love us so much. The Lord, even standing here, this is your plan. For us to hear this message, your plan, Paul's under arrest, and we get to benefit from it. Paul speaks out. We get to benefit from it because you inspired him to speak. You told him, Lord, in the good times and the bad, you're going to be with him. And Paul came to the place that he was so confident that he could speak with holy boldness. No matter if he was in a prison, chained to the wall, just he and Silas singing old favorite hymns, praising you, or Lord, if he's standing before these very important people, is as if Paul was yelling through time with his hands cussed to his mouth, listen, God has a plan. God has a way. And if I die today, I'm ready to die because Jesus saved me. I'm no longer that sinner that was defiling the church. I'm a saint of God, ready to go home. I'm ready to go home, Paul even said. But Lord, he said it was a benefit for it that he stayed. And I'm glad you let him stay just a little bit longer because we have these words, this holy word of God, how you work miraculously and sovereignly in his life. Lord, if the universe stays in contact because of you, surely you can work in the hearts of our family and our friends that need you so desperately in our lives. Help us be people that pray for others. Bring, bring others before the throne, situations in our government. I pray today for our, our president, President Biden. Lord, I pray for our Vice President Harris. Lord, I, I pray that your will will be done. I pray for our governor, McMaster. I pray for those that are in authority, our senators and representatives, the Father, that there's different ones from different areas. These men and women that are leading, they need wisdom from God. And they need action from heaven. Lord, work in the only way that you can. Your will be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.